It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine, and it is time for the weekend mailbag episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Next week, I expect free agency to really kick off and transactions to start coming out at a bit of a frenetic pace. I think that this is the calm before the storm in a lot of ways. It seems like the Steelers are renegotiating contracts and you're hearing about all these players around the league getting released. So next week, we're going to spend a lot of time getting ready for free agency, which starts the following week. So we're very, very close to a deluge of news. We hope, we hope the Bengals are very active in free agency because if they're not, things could be uh, a little dicey around these parts, huh? A little. Uh, let's be honest, we're going to crush them if they're not active in free agency because the, there's a, a certain window, and we, we've talked about it a ton, but the Joe Burrow window is open, and uh, it, it's only slightly open with this roster. So you upgrade the roster, and it opens more and more and more, and obviously that's the goal. I think you're absolutely right, and it's hard for me to imagine right now a world in which the Bengals do a same old Bengals thing and kind of go back to the way things used to be with this huge PR push they have right now. Because I think that the team has to be in sync with their media relations folks. And if if they were to let media relations folks, Emily Parker and Seth Tanner and Elizabeth Blackburn run with the messaging they're running with and not have a good aggressive offseason plan, they have to know they're going to get killed. They have to know. And so I think that it's possible that, that, you know, new stripes is just a motto when we don't see anything change, but I think that they know better. I think that they're, they're too aware of perception at this point. They're too aware of the results and they're not dumb. So I I think that we'll see them be active. And we have a lot of questions here about free agency, James, let's dive on into the mailbag. The first question coming from the Philippines and Jojo jammer. He's at win one Super Bowl on Twitter. And <laughs> yeah, I, right. I've always loved his Twitter name. Uh, he's, he says that we're kicking arse this offseason, James. He looks forward every day to listening to the podcast. Thank you, Jojo Jammer. Really appreciate that. The Bengals fill offensive line, defensive line issues, get a wide receiver, and re sign Carl Lawson. What is the probability of all of those things happening? It, pretty high. I think, I mean, now, now filling issues and fixing them are two th- different things. So filling the offensive line with new bodies, I think we know that's going to happen, right? Penny Sewell is the most likely pick at number five. You know, if he's there, I think it's, it's, it's really hard to imagine the Bengals passing on him. And if they do, it's because they've addressed tackle and free agency and they've addressed guard 
in free agency. As for the defensive line, I think it's clear that they want to upgrade, that they want to add at least one pass rusher, add in the trenches, add a, a defensive lineman to go along with DJ Reader. And who knows, maybe that's because uh, I, I already look at Geno Atkins as gone, but maybe that's cutting Geno and then bringing him back at a cheaper price. And that would fit that bill. But I certainly think they're going to draft both edge, offensive line, defensive line. And then wide receiver, absolutely they're going to draft a wide receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if they drafted two wide receivers and brought back a Mike Thomas or brought back an Alex Erickson or went out and got a, you know, a Josh Reynolds, a lower end uh, free agent wide receiver that could potentially help. And then re-signing Carl Lawson, that's kind of the the one that above all of them I think is most or, or, or least likely because – they're probably going to franchise tag him or have to franchise tag him because if I'm Carl Lawson, there's no way in hell I'm signing unless the Bengals just want to break the bank. And knowing the Bengals, and it, this is probably correct, a guy who is really good in Carl Lawson, he's 25 years old, but he has a lot of it, you know, injury histories there, played in 16 games this past year. It might be safer just to franchise tag him. So I, I think that that's, that's probably where I lean. But there's certainly – Jojo, uh, a chance for all of those things to happen and, and Lawson to be on the field with an upgraded pass rush and, and defensive line, interior line as well, and Burrow to have another weapon or two along with a, a more competent and at least decent offensive line. I think all of those things can happen, and, and I think it's realistic to expect them, not hope for them, but expect them. That should be the bar for the Bengals this offseason. We've said it a number of times on this podcast that expectations need to be higher for this team this offseason. And when we see questions like this, James, as, you, as I was reading the question, listening to your answer, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, Bengals fans got it bad. They're like, man, are they going to do these things that are, are painfully obvious for them to do? Because in the past, we've seen them not do them. The, mm -hmm. the one thing that gives me, I don't know if hope is the right word, but I'll say hope is, is that we're not getting the signals we were getting last year. We're not getting them. And I guess we're going to hear from the team maybe sometime soon. It seems like they're, they're pushing content out right now. So maybe we'll get some quotes so we can talk about in the near future, but we're not getting the signals from the team that are, we think we're good on the offensive line. We're not hearing that in the back channels. We're not seeing reports from people that have sources yourself included that says, yeah, they're happy. They think Mike Jordan's going to take a step. You know, they're, they're getting Jonah Williams back. The, <laughs> the only person talking about, that sort of thing is really Jeff Hobson. And last year, Hobson was no more connected to the team than some of the other reporters on the beat. So, so I don't think Hobson's word is gospel anymore the way that it was. I think he was more connected with, you know, Paul Alexander and some of the guys on Marvin Lewis's staff than he is with some of the guys on Zach Taylor's staff. So what's encouraging to me, as you talked about that, James, is I, I I'm with you. I think that they will do most of these things. Now, Will they do them to our exact satisfaction? Will it be Joe Tooney and Daryl Williams and, you know, Curtis Samuel and really open things up for the draft to trade back? <laughs> I mean, we might not get everything we want, but I do think they're going to do something. And you make a really good point about Carl Lawson and, and the need to franchise tag him. That franchise deadline coming up March 9th. That's early next week. So that is coming down soon. I, I don't have we seen any franchise tags announced around the league yet? No, none yet. So the clock is ticking. 
And and I think teams are probably waiting a little bit for the the other foot to drop with that salary cap getting finalized, finalized. There's only a $20 million range it can be, though. So we'll see that come down soon. The Bengals have to make that choice because if Lawson gets to unrestricted free agency, definitely think that the Bengals might lose a bidding war. No doubt. I think they will. That's why I'm I'm not optimistic about William Jackson the third returning because if you franchise Carl Lawson, then Jackson, guess what? He's he's going to hit the market and he's the top corner on the market and gonna someone's going to give him the bag in a very very big bag in that. Next question comes from Mac Johnson, Mac double underscore Johnson on Twitter. What are some changes in the fan experience you're looking to see? We know about the Ring of Honor and new uniforms, but how else do you think the front office? will get fans excited for especially tough home games this year. They are especially tough home games, aren't they? And that is an uphill battle, but yet another reason that I think this front office knows they need to invest and win back their fans this offseason. They've got a two-pronged, two-front war they're fighting here, the war of public opinion and, and the war of winning football games, and they're inextricably linked, right? So that's a good question. I've long thought... That's something I really want to see is the Reds do a great job of fan engagement. The the events that they have at Great American Ballpark, and I know they have a lot more games, so it's a lot easier to do, I think are really well received. The fireworks, nights, and all that stuff. And Reds Fest. Reds Fest is huge. And I understand that the NFL calendar maybe doesn't allow for something like that quite as easily as the MLB calendar does. But just, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I want to see more fan outreach events happening more community involvement with fans and not necessarily just for those season ticket holders just like I told Seth when we talked to him yesterday I agree with you and I I think that you could make a Bengals fest of sorts and maybe you do it around the draft maybe you build it around April and we're talking about post-COVID times and you can have people in in buildings and things like that and, and you do it that way because usually the weather in mid-April in, in Cincinnati is pretty decent. Maybe you'll get some rain here or there, but overall you could do that. Maybe you have some kind of outdoor thing. There's a lot of ways that they can engage the fan base. And, and I, I certainly hope they do because Bengals fans, heck, you said it when we were talking and in, in responding about JoJo's uh, to JoJo's tweet. This can be a turning point. And when we... We had Seth on yesterday. We, you talked to some people in the organization. I think they feel that, and hopefully they can take advantage of it because you got Joe Burrow. This is really an opportunity uh, to, to have new stripes and rebrand Bengals football and, and really improve just everything about the Cincinnati Bengals moving forward. Up next, we'll continue the mailbag. But it's time for you to go to betonline.ag. Take a second. We're pausing the show just for you. So you can go to betonline.ag because it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action out there. Football might be over, but the NBA, college hoops, NHL in full swing, plus the NFL draft less than seven weeks away. You know what that means? It means you can bet on the NFL draft, the prop bets, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell. Who do you think the Bengals are going to take? Who's going to be the first receiver off the board? You can bet. Right now at betonline.ag. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head there now, betonline.ag, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, 
your online sportsbook experts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Next question comes from Nick Kirby 3. He asks, would it be smarter for the Bengals to prioritize a true tackle prospect like Darisol instead of Slater if it's inevitable that Slater kicks inside? And who would you value more if they come away with just a guard or just a tackle in free agency? Hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot there, isn't there? So <laughs> do I do I put Darisaw over Slater? Maybe for the Bengals, yes, but you have to be savvy to to where those guys are gonna get picked. I, I do still think that a team will pick Rashawn Slater ahead of Christian Darisaw. That might change with the testing numbers that we're expecting to get with pro days coming and medicals coming soon. But I think you have to be aware of, of what other teams probably think if they sit at five and Sewell is gone and they pick Christian Derrissaw, he might be a good player for this team and I might slam the pick anyway, right? Because they could have traded back and probably still made that pick. Just like I, just like I had issues when they traded up for Ryan Finley or took Drew Sample in the second round, they might be fine players and Ryan Finley isn't, but they, Drew Sample might get there. And uh, I, it doesn't mean it was a good draft pick. So um, tough question there with the value. And who would I value more if they come away with just a guard or just a tackle? I, I honestly don't think that Slater is on my radar because I think he's going to be drafted too highly for me to, to value him for the Bengals fit just because he's undersized and they've already got one of those. It's really good, but I don't know if you want two really good technicians or, or one bigger guy when you already have a guy like Jonah Williams. I agree with you pretty much everything you said there. And I, I'm going to come out and say it now and maybe my mind will change after pro days or maybe more inform, information will come out between now and the draft. There's one offensive lineman the Bengals should consider with the fifth pick. Now, if they trade down, I think it should be, you know, maybe Rashawn Slater is in the mix or Christian Derrissaw or someone else that we're not even naming right now. But if it's not Penny Sewell, I don't want an offensive lineman at five. And that is as much as anything is why I want the Bengals to be aggressive in the trenches and free agency. It's not just, oh, I love Jamar Chase, the flashy wide receiver. No, I get it. They, they can address wide receiver later in the draft. But if Penny Sewell isn't there, and I think it's unrealistic to expect him to come in and just be earth shattering and groundbreaking. But if he's not there, I sure as hell don't want them to reach on Rashawn Slater. And that's how it would feel to me. Uh, Christian Derisaw, he might end up being really good. But like you said, it would feel like a reach. People would compare it to 2018 when Frank Ragnall went off the board and, and Billy Price was still there. It would feel like they were settling for the next best guy. You can't feel that way in the draft. You can't feel that way, certainly with the fifth overall pick, especially with the talent that's guaranteed to be there. I'm not passing on Kyle Pitts for Rashawn Slater. That's insane. It's just absolutely insane uh, from a prospect standpoint. So it's free agencies right around the corner. And this was just a a perfect way for me to double down. 
at five, I'm fine with Sewell. Of course, I get it. Protect Burrow. That should be the number one priority. But I'm not reaching to protect Burrow. And, and so that's why they have to spend this offseason. That's why they have to be aggressive in free agency so they don't Rashawn Slater it up with the fifth pick because that would be disappointing. And Christian Darisaw, who, again, might end up being higher on the Bengals board, would still feel like a disappointment. Both guys could be in play during a, you know with a trade down. But at number five, it would certainly feel like a reach. Definitely with you there. And I think I said something similar. If if they, if they sit there and pick Christian Derrissaw, you, you talk about Frank Ragnar. I think that's a better example. I compared it to, to the Drew Sample pick that we didn't like, even if he turns out to be a good player. That's going to be something that we're not going to be very happy about. And the idea of getting Penny Sewell is just so nice because PFF actually put out a thing today. Their top 50 prospects of the PFF prospect grading era. Joe Burrow, number two just behind Trevor Lawrence and the top rated non-tackle non-edge player is Penny Sewell at 13. The top wide receiver is Jamar Chase. And I don't think that if I scroll all the way to the bottom of this list, I'm going to see Rashawn Slater. So you have an opportunity and and there's Kyle Pitts. I'm scrolling. There's Devontae Smith. Still scrolling, (laughs) still scrolling. There's Jonah Williams. All right. Oh, look, there, there's no there's no Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw. So the, the thing that you got to remember is you're still a BPA thing. Like even even though you're you've got some very clear needs and there's some some players that fit those needs, you're still going to do better in the long run if you set yourself up to draft BPA. And I cannot imagine a world in which Christian Derrissaw and Rashawn Slater, no matter how good they are, are BPA at five. And the other part of this is how big is the drop-off going to be if you do take a tackle at 38 versus Slater or Derrissaw at five, right? Like I'm sure there's a drop-off, but is it is it that steep, a 33-pick difference? Because that's the difference. And, and to me, I, I just think there's way, way better value. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big value guy when it comes to the draft. And you know how you get value in the draft? You do it by drafting BPA, just generally speaking. Next question comes from Big Day at rsmith0906 on Twitter. If Jamar Chase is gone at five, who would be the best wide receiver to grab on day two or early day three? He lists guys like Diami Brown, Tylen Wallace, Terrence Marshall. Do you have day two favorites? Oh, it's tough because you, you talk about value. And to me, this wide receiver class, and it's deep. And you, you talk to some of these draft analysts and, you know, I think Dane Brugler has more wide receivers in his top 100 this year than he did last year. But that drop off from the big three in Smith, Waddle and Chase, there's a clear cut plunge to me where there's just a, a big difference. And that doesn't mean, you know, Kadarius Tony isn't going to go in the first round or Rondo Moore isn't going to go in the first round. But I, I did see a mock where Moore fell to the Bengals. Rondell Moore out of Purdue, and he's 5'9", 180, thick, breaks tackles, runs really hard, Big Ten kid. That's the type of guy, like if he's there at 38, I'd feel pretty damn good. I just don't think he's going to be. And so if the Bengals pass on a receiver at five or just don't draft one for whatever reason in the first round, which is realistic, then I think the next time I really see value is probably in round three. Not that Terrence Marshall isn't good, and I think there's a chance, you know, he could be there at 38. But would you rather that or maybe you take a, you know, Brown out of North Carolina 
uh, at 69. I think that's certainly interesting. Uh, Tylen Wallace at 69. I, I think that's interesting as well. And those two guys, to me, fit kind of what they need a little bit more. And when you look at corner and edge and where the value is, even offensive tackle, depending on what they do with the fifth pick, uh, I think that if they don't take one in the first round, the better value is probably in rounds three and four. So so those are a, a couple of the guys I like. And late in the draft, you've heard me talk about him a couple times, Jake, uh, and this is like sixth, seventh round. The Marquez Stevenson kid from Houston, he's a little burner, and, and I wouldn't mind them doubling down and getting a second receiver late day three like that who has some physical traits that could help in the return game if you need him. I think somebody recently wrote that Marquez Stevenson might be the best fit with the Bengals. I think I saw that. I think it was on PFF. It might have been Anthony Tresh, who we talked to not too long ago. So that's an interesting point for your guy, Stevenson. I want to disagree with you a little bit here, James. I think that there are some guys that could be worthy of that second round pick. And I think that they're identified in the question here from Big Day R. Smith. The first guy for me, and this will go in order, is probably Kadarius Toney there. But that's very, very close in my head with Terrence Marshall and I think Diami Brown in the second round. Any of those guys in the second round will be drafted. I think Tylen Wallace probably will also be gone before 69. So I think if you're looking for guys at the top of day three, uh, you, you might be stretching a little bit. So at that point, you might be waiting until the fourth round and, and somebody that's a little bit undersized. Because one thing this class is lacking, generally speaking, is size. Although Amari Rogers on day mm-hmm. three, that's a very interesting name for me from Clemson. A few more questions to get to in the mailbag, James. And despite us disagreeing on wide receivers, we're going to keep things civil coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We like to make things simple for our listeners. We like to provide you with value. And in addition to the best and most regular Bengals analysis, we like to provide you some good deals as well. And that's why we tell you about places like rockauto.com. They charge the same prices for everybody, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or professional mechanic, and their prices are reliably low. Maybe there's somebody running a mechanic out of their garage listening to the podcast and they're looking for a new supplier to help them deal with their customers. Rock Auto's there for you just as much as they're there for James replacing the air filters on his vehicle. RockAuto.com, it's a family business. You're supporting good people. They've got a catalog that's remarkably easy to navigate. No waiting in lines for the person at the counter to look up your car, your make and model, your year, the way you can do yourself at home. Go check it out, rockauto.com. See their wide selection of parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. James, we're wrapping up our week. We're wrapping up the mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Make sure you follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals on Twitter so you have a chance to get your question answered when we do these mailbags on Friday's show. 
Next question comes from Jordan Dean at Jordan Dean 04 on Twitter. He wants to know what the ideal realistic offensive line for the Bengals would be in 2021. His example is Penny Sewell, Joe Tooney, Trey Hopkins, Gabe Jackson, and he's got Jonah Williams moving over to right tackle in Penny Sewell's rookie year. I think that's fair. I think Jonah would move in that scenario. But let's just look at this on the whole, like on the surface here. You have three new starting offensive linemen. Jonas flips spots, but Sewell, Tooney, Jackson, new. And I, I think that's that's realistic. Now, it could be a variety of ways to get there. Instead of Joe Tooney, it could be Corey Lindsley at center, right? And, and they, they bring in, you know, Xavier Suofilo starts at one guard spot. And the other guard spot is a rookie potentially with Sewell and, and Williams. There's a lot of different combinations. But I think three new starters is realistic. Jonah Williams is going to start somewhere. I still think it's that, you know, there's a, a good chance it's a left tackle unless it's Penny Sewell. Right. Because unless you're signing Trent Williams or drafting Penny Sewell, odds are you probably want to keep Jonah where he is. Even if you draft a tackle that you think can play left in the second round, it, you might be OK with just playing him at right tackle. Or if you go pay at Daryl Williams, well, he's a right tackle. So naturally, that's where you're going to put him. Matt Filer, you know, if you're putting him at one of the tackle spots, you would put him on the right side. So uh, I, I think that part of it um, is fair. It, it, Tooney. I still don't know if they're going to go all in on Tooney. I know the, the fans are pushing for it and they want it and they want it really bad. But do I think that they add a free agent guard? Yes. Do I think they add a, some type of, of tackle that ends up starting either in free agency and or the draft? Yes. And, and so overall, I think they have three new starting offensive linemen, but that doesn't include the center position. And it very well could be four because if they don't go out and sign a center, then Billy Price is going to get a shot there if Trey Hopkins isn't ready. And, and so you could be looking at four new starters, at least in week one, to start the 2021 season. Willie Anderson working with Mike Jordan didn't move the needle for you, huh? <laughs> it's good to see. It means uh, it means he should be, and he gets to be where he should have been in 2019 when he was drafted, a backup learning how to play in the NFL. I'm really interested to see how Willie does working with a Bengal offensive lineman. I don't remember. I'm sure Willie's worked with their guys before, but I don't remember seeing video of Willie working with guys the way he's working with Mike Jordan. And if any, I really honestly trust Willie to teach technique. Now, none of this is to say that I'm ready to buy in on Mike Jordan. I, I need to see it to believe it for sure. I hope we get a preseason so we get to see him play a little bit. But uh, I, I agree. I think that, you know, Jonah and, and pending health, uh, Trey Hopkins will be the returning starters and none of the rest of the guys should ideally be guys that are on the team right now. I've talked about Xavier Suofilo and if he is your worst offensive lineman, I think I'm okay with that. So if if there's a world where it's, you know, Jonah, Xavier Suofilo at right, or I guess he would be left guard because that's what he naturally plays. Trey Hopkins at center and they get Brandon Scherf at right guard. Somehow, somehow he gets out of Washington. They end up with Brandon Scherf at right guard. And, you know, they get uh, uh, Sam Cosme or uh, Liam Eichenberg in the second round, put him at right tackle. That's probably okay. You know, yeah. I, I think that you get a little bit better there. and You get closer to average. It's not ideal, 
but it's a step in the right direction. And I don't know that I want to spend big money on a guard, generally speaking. I'm just talking about a scenario that I guess isn't very realistic because it involves Brandon Scherf, but you get the idea, right? There, there are some ways that the, there are potentially a third guy on the roster ends up starting on opening day, but I agree, generally speaking, that they should have a bunch of new starters. The one interesting thing to me to talk about here out of this question or maybe another interesting thing to talk about out of this question is if you think Sewell is better than Jonah, would you rather have him at left tackle or right tackle? And looking just at the division, TJ Watt is almost exclusively facing your right tackle. And Miles Garrett, the other really good pass rusher in your division, does split his time a little bit more against your left tackle, but not too far off. It's probably a, it's about a 60-40 split. So would you would you rather have Sewell, assuming he's better than Jonah, on the right side or the left side, knowing that that's what's in your division and you're seeing more and more of the more talented edge rushers in the league playing more against your right tackle? Honestly, I would just put him at right tackle. Cue the music. The hot take music, because I'm about to drop one. Okay. What's our music for hot, gets- Can you sing a song? I, I, I don't know. I'm not a good singer. I don't want to do that to our, <laughs> our loyal, loyal listeners. Look, they could draft Penny Sewell, and I get he's physically more gifted than than probably most offensive linemen, especially at his age. Going into the season, I'm going to trust Jonah Williams more than I trust Penny Sewell to protect Joe Burrow. That might change after one preseason game, and I might say, oh, well, there we go. That's it. But to me, I, I know what Jonah brings, and, and I thought he was pretty damn solid last year, and so I, I'm fine with Jonah having to deal with TJ Watt or having to deal with Miles Garrett or, or whatever the case is. Now, you, you might argue that too. Well, if you're fine with that, then why would you want to move him from left tackle? And, and, and why not just put Penny Sewell at, at the right tackle spot? So, so I do get that. But I trust Jonah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's a star, but I think he's technically sound. And I don't think he's going to get Joe killed. You know, he's not going to take a ton of hits because Jonah Williams didn't do his job. And that that's a big deal in the league, man. That, that's a big deal. I, I, I hope the Bengals can find a couple more guys like Jonah Williams this offseason, because if so, the line's going to be much better. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing, though. The, the thing you talked about, why would you move him? He's been playing left tackle for so long. I'm sure he could pick it up. He's, he's a very diligent, hard worker. He's a very smart guy. But to me, you just leave him at left tackle. You take the guy that has more to learn and honestly has a more prototypical right tackle body and right tackle, left tackle splits matter so much less now than they did mm-hmm. that. I just, I just put Penny at right tackle. That's, that's my hot take. Maybe that's a hot take. Unless you're Orlando Brown jr. Then you have to play left tackle. Apparently he's a left tackle, James. <laughs> Next question comes from the orange arrow at the Bengal four. He says he's asking this question again since Jake is the Bengals care, the Bengal cares fantasy league champ. Congrats, by the way. I still haven't seen your trophy. I thought I might ask, where do you think all the guys' fantasy outlooks will be next season? Joe Burrow was on pace to be top 12 or a top 12 quarterback last year. Do you think he can finish higher? You know, I haven't heard anything about that trophy. Uh, I don't know where the trophy is, but I did get a shirt. So that's pretty exciting. I got a shirt from Black Owned, the Bengals Black Owned collaboration that I got to wear on the uh, the little Twitch thing that I did with Joe Goodberry earlier this week. So if you want to see that shirt, I tweeted about it. It's on that video as well. 
the question, let's focus on Joe Burrow's fantasy outlook, James. I think he can be a top 12 quarterback next year. He was one of my early quarterback draft picks in our Locked On uh, Locked On Podcast Network Dynasty League. I picked It's a two-quarterback league, and I took Kyler early, and I took Burrow early. I believe in Joe Burrow long-term. So does PFF believe in Joe Burrow long-term, but it's, it's impossible to really project right now. My projection for him maintaining and potentially improving and being a top 12 fantasy quarterback, a QB one is that I think there's some positive touchdown regression coming for him. I think there's some positive deep ball regression coming for him. And I think that the team is going to get better on offense or at least sink a lot of resources into getting better on offense. And it's hard for me to see that not improving with the kind of player I think Joe Burrow is. There's certainly injury risk here, and there's a lot of projection in how the team will look on offense between now and opening day 2021. But that is the case, I think, that I would make if you wanted someone to tell you that Joe Burrow is a top 12 quarterback for fantasy football. I guarantee you, barring injury, which you can't do, that if the Bengals hire me to be GM tomorrow, that he'll be a top 12 fantasy quarterback because we're going to load up on offense for Joe Burrow. I mean, that that that's the thing is how much do they upgrade the offensive line? Is it Penny Sewell and, and that's it? I don't think that'll be the case, but that isn't enough for me, right? That's not enough to, to upgrade the line from awful to average. And they just need to get to average. And if they get to average with Joe Burrow under center, hell, the LSU offensive line was probably average when you look at an, uh, you know, a college, a collegiate offensive lines, they weren't great. I, it, maybe they were above average, right? But still, Joe bailed them out multiple times, that classic play against Georgia. Like, he's really good at doing that. So if you give him an average line, he's going to be able to work with it. And then can they add another weapon? I, I don't think there's any question that T. Higgins is a really good player and, and is going to be a really good NFL player. I think there are a lot of people that question if, if he can be a top dog on a really good offense. And Tyler Boyd's a great slot receiver. I think the the ceiling's a bit limited unless you had add a, another wide receiver one and find a way to replace A.J. Green because he wasn't the A.J. Green you paid him to be. And, and if those things happen, then hell, Burrow has top eight potential, top five potential. And if not, then you, you could see that you say range of outcomes that the fantasy range of outcome could go from, you know, instead of five to eight, it could be 10 to 20. And it really just depends on the talent around him and, and Zach Taylor being successful as an, uh, you know, an offensive mind slash play caller, et cetera. And which would be much harder to do if they don't upgrade the personnel. Yeah. A lot of variables there for sure. This is a question that, you know, we'll circle back to after the draft. And as we get into the preseason preseason, we see how Joe's recovering, how he's doing in off season activities, what they've done on the offensive line, what they've done. Did they draft Kyle Pitts? Does Kyle Pitts get you eight more touchdowns a year? Oh, Cause maybe he might. <laughs> Cause maybe our last question today, speaking of getting things right and fixing this team comes from someone who doesn't think, Duke Tobin is going to do that. His Twitter handle is fire Duke Tobin at TV 83 underscore. So he liked the, the Tyler Boyd draft pick James, but doesn't seem to like anything else that, that Duke Tobin has done. And Hey, I get it. We're going to talk about this as we get closer to the draft. His question is why are the Bengals looking for a four, three pass rusher when they're supposed to switch to a three, four defense? Isn't that why they signed reader and traded Dunlap? <laughs> 
Well, they they need another edge rusher, right? And and so you need someone to get after the quarterback, not named Carl Lawson. And I think we all love Sam Hubbard, the person, and we think he's capable, but that's not enough. He 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 might not be a, a ten sack guy ever in his career. And if that's the case, even if you keep Carl Lawson, you need to get another edge rusher. And and yeah, it sh- it should have been Carlos Dunlap. I, I've been kind of vocal about this. I wrote about this at allbengals.com a, a few weeks after Carlos Dunlap started to have success in Seattle. It, it, to me, I put it on the coaches for not being able to make that work because he's clearly still a high-end talent. I know it's not that simple, and he acted like a child on his way out. But now they're trying to fill that void, and that's much easier said than done. And and so, yeah, they definitely need another Dunlap-type player, Dunlap-type edge rusher. And I don't mean uh, as far as build necessarily, but production-wise, they need another guy opposite Lawson that can get after the passer. Yeah, you need more than one guy to rush the passer. And when you talk about a 4-3 edge rusher, you're talking about the fact that if you're a 3-4 or you're a 4-3, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, or the Cleveland Browns, or the Cincinnati Bengals, when Mike Zimmer was around, you're using essentially the same personnel to rush the passer. You're going to effectively have two edge rushers. You're going to have most likely a guy lined up at three tech, maybe two, three techs, maybe a nose, maybe a five tech. In most defenses, that's how you're rushing the passer. The Bengals try to be multiple. They try to do a whole bunch of stuff up front. But no matter how you try to cut it, the the quote unquote four, three edge rusher, I don't care if it's Von Miller or if it's Carlos Dunlap in terms of prototypical archetypal players, not those two guys specifically, but the 300, nearly 300 pound six, seven guy versus the two sixty six, three, six, four guy. No matter how you cut it, they're edge rushers. Lou Anarumo has talked about speed rushers a little bit specifically as something that they're after. So we'll see what happens there, but don't get too confused when you see a guy talking about looking for a quote unquote, four, three edge rusher, just because he's a quote unquote, three, four defense, because at this point in the NFL, they're really not that different. And I can't actually remember many times the Bengals put four linebackers on the field at the same time in 2020. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back on Sunday. And if you didn't catch last week's Mock Draft Monday, you might have missed that Mock Draft Monday is on hold for a few weeks as we focus on free agency. But in the spirit of projecting the offseason and mocking things generally, we will have some scenarios to talk about as we go through our free agency chart on that episode. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.